You're listening to Payments Innovation, a podcast dedicated to helping business leaders navigate today's global digital economy. Looking to learn about the latest innovations within fintech and payments? You've come to the right place. Let's get into the show. Welcome to another episode of the Payments Innovation Podcast. This is your host, Brady Burkett. And today we have Matt Redler, founder and CEO of Panther. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, Brady. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's, it, it's really good to have you on today, Matt. Your company is early stage, but growing. So really exciting. Um, and I, I think we're timing this well with what's going on in the market today. Pandemic lockdowns uh, ha- have pushed the global workforce towards a remote model. And Panther is really at, at an interesting position to take that on. So for folks who are unfamiliar with Panther, could you give a background, uh, maybe starting you know, back, back to when you were founding the company and then, and then catch us up to uh, what Panther's up to in the current state? Do, what are they doing today? Yeah, I mean, so I'll give you the, the quick version of the origin story, um, which is essentially that I was working on another startup uh, pre-COVID that required people to get together in person. And so we had to wind that business down. But the, the relevant background is that I was the only U.S. teammate on the company. Everybody else, uh, including my co-founder, was spread across Eastern Europe. And so we, my co-founder and I, Vasil, we worked really hard to make sure that we could connect our teammates to other companies for them to land on when we had to close this last startup. And we found companies who had really, really high conviction about our people um, and really wanted to work with them. But once I started to explain to them that in order to you know, hire internationally, you need to uh, run locally compliant payroll, which means you need a local entity, you need a local bank account, you need local legal accounting, HR, um, all that kind of fun stuff. They basically pushed back and the yeses quickly became no's. There was, there was really three reasons for the pushback. Number one is just it was like an incredibly onerous foreign process that they just had like was not interested in and, and didn't have the bandwidth to deal with. Number two is that it typically costs around 80 grand to get set up fully compliantly in each of these countries. And the last thing is it, it basically, even if they were willing to go through all the trouble and spend the money, this process notoriously takes anywhere between a few months if you're incredibly lucky and up to about a year and a half if you're not so lucky. And this is all per country, by the way. And so there was no guarantee that, you know, if they would have gone through everything that, the, you know, our, our ex-teammates that they wanted to hire would have still been available. And so my co-founder and I kind of huddled up and we tried to see what we can do to, to solve this problem for our teammates. Um, and we basically realized because we had already had our own infrastructure set up in the country that we could basically proxy employ our teammates on these companies' behalfs. So we created this kind of co-employment agreement that declared our local entity as the kind of administrative intermediary employer. And then the companies that were actually working with our teammates were what we call the operational uh, employer, which is everything that mattered. So we were just in charge of like compliance and tax and that type of thing. And uh, the operational employer was in charge of hiring, firing, compensation, IP, uh, day-to-day management, literally everything that mattered. And so that's what we did. We found an easy way for them to hire our teammates. And now that's become Panther. So Panther makes it easy for companies to hire and pay their global teams. So behind the scenes, we operate a network of global subsidiaries um, and act as that kind of administrative intermediary employer so that companies can just hire anyone anywhere in the world without needing all that local infrastructure, the local entities, bank accounts, and, uh, and compliance. 
Yeah, it's really interesting. And, and, you know, you guys are at, at an interesting point in the market. Can you give us a sense of where your customers are located and where you're helping those customers hire the employees? Yeah, absolutely. So we work with, uh, it's, it's actually an, an easy answer. We work with customers all over the world and we help them hire in uh, over 160 countries. So really what we specialize in is helping companies hire employees uh, in countries where they're not headquartered. So for example, for US companies, that means we help them when hiring outside of the United States. For Canadian companies, we help them in the hiring in the US and everywhere else. Yeah, we really are a, a, global, a global company in that sense. We kind of give, I, I should summarize it like this. We give, su- we give companies the superpower ability to become location agnostic um, and just simply to kind of champion great talent wherever they are in the world. And we just do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really interesting. You're, you're democratizing that capability, right? Because um, previously, you know, the, the likes of, of Google and Facebook could have a, a global workforce, but, but companies like Panther are enabling the smaller companies to um, have similar access to talent globally, right? Um, exactly. Exactly. This, this infrastructure, you know, if you really want, it's one thing to be able to hire like in one other country, then it'll cost you 80 grand and you'll have to deal with another country's compliance, but it's one country. But if, if a company really wanted to be able to just ignore location and say, look, wherever you are in the world, if you're incredible, we want to, you know, we'll be able to find a way to compliantly hire you and, and give you a first class employment experience. You would have to get set up all over the world. And that's a, you know, a $10 million plus project. So yeah, we, we boil that down into a simple kind of SaaS solution so that companies of all sizes can basically stop working so hard to try and find, you know, exceptional people in a very small area and can just open themselves up to, you know, the great talent that's distributed all around the world. Absolutely. I want to ask you a few, a few things about remote work in general, you know, being a, an industry expert. So I think uh, many companies previously, um, you know, prior to companies like Panther entering the market, had contractors and, and 1099 workers overseas. Um, and, and that, I guess that, that gets these companies close to having access to talent globally. But I'm curious if you could break down what the benefits are for having a true full-time employee. You know, the, the reason why companies yeah. might have refrained from that in the past is, is that um, setup process and cost that you outlined. Um, but why would a company in the U.S. choose to work with Panther to have a full-time employee in Eastern Europe versus onboarding them as a contractor? Yeah, great. I mean, great question. So to sum it up, like prior to Panther, what smaller companies would do who couldn't afford the infrastructure is they would essentially do things in a, in a non-compliant way, which is calling should-be employees contractors. Because if you're hiring a contractor, you don't need to set up an entity over there. The issue, though, is that a contractor is, is definitionally different than an employee. A contractor is someone who is external to the company, uh, is given a project, does it uh, on his or her own time, and then turns it in to review for the company. They cannot be an internal part of the team. And so, quite frankly, what companies do when they misclassify uh, should-be employees as contractors is they're basically committing tax evasion because no one's paying the local kind of employer taxes to that country. 
and um, they're giving that individual a second class experience. If you're a contractor, especially when you shouldn't be, it means that you have to do all your own tax withholding. It means that you um, have a poor credit score because your income is quote unquote freelance or unstable. So you can have trouble getting credit and housing. It means that you can be let go on any day's notice without any sort of unemployment. Uh, nobody is making contributions to very important benefits like your, your pension and social security and, and maybe a medical, depending on the country. And so it's a second class experience. And so our thinking is that if we make it so easy for companies to uh, compliantly employ, you know, full time employees anywhere in the world and give them a first class experience uh, and make it turnkey and affordable, that it will become the default. I, I definitely think that the global talent pool previously, uh, when working with, you know, non Fortune 500 companies have thought that doing things as contractor was was kind of like the only way. And so they just took it. But now when they recognize that they can have a, you know, the same experience on par with, let's say, their San Francisco counterparts, the best talent in the world is going to demand it. And so if companies want to, you know, recruit the best talent and retain them, you can't, it's as simple as that. You can't give them a second class experience. And on the compliance side of things, it's like very, very risky business. By committing tax evasion in these countries, you risk huge punitive fines, being banned entirely from doing business in that country, including working with those individuals. And in many countries, this is becoming a stronger pattern. It is a huge, uh, it can be a criminal offense. They could come after uh, the executives criminally. I think that the last thing to mention is that, you know, companies, especially startups, have to take have to be really, really protective of their intellectual property. And if you are basically uh, working with someone in what should be a, a employee capacity, but you're kind of misclassifying what the relationship is in a contractor agreement, it really throws the IP into question. Because the agreement that you have between the two of you is not accurately defining the, the relationship. And so there could be a lot of IP trouble there. So if companies want to get acquired or, or just, you know, have great control over their IP, you really can't play with funny business here. And that's why we're trying to make it as easy as possible to do things the right way. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense. And th that leads me to a follow-up question. Um, given that the contractor model was more or less the way things had been done for the smaller companies, you know, sort of excluding the Fortune 500s who could afford the, the full-time employee setup. Your customers today, are you seeing more clients coming from um, that space that had contractors and they realize, hey, Panther's going to help us do this the right way and we better switch over our model? Or are you seeing more clients coming in who are just brand new and want to open up the talent pool um, and, and didn't have yeah. that contractor set up in, in the first place? We're, we're privileged to be able to, to help both types of customers. So, you know, we have customers who kind of recognize that they've been doing things the wrong way for, for quite some time. Um, and now once they found out about Panther are just getting set up to give these people that first class and, and uh, you know, uh, fully compliant experience. And then secondarily, you know, we are super excited to help companies who are, you know, just realizing that, uh, you know, now that they work remotely, that they they might as well, if not, they're missing out, basically open their door to to the incredible talent around the world um, and helping them employ those people in, in some of the first uh, kind of international team experiences that they're having. I think that 
we're seeing an incredibly exciting pattern where companies are going all in on, you know, not worried about everyone being in the same office. Not to say that offices are bad. In fact, I happen to be taking this meeting in an office right now, but uh, my teammates are all around the world and we all work great together. And I like to think that we hired some of the best people on the planet. And I think that's what every company is going to want to do moving forward, because at the end of the day, our companies are, are nothing more than, uh, you know, than the people that, that power it. And so why not hire the best and remove all constraints that yeah. are otherwise a bottleneck there? Absolutely. And I think, I think that's what we're seeing, especially as the rise of, of software companies, right? It's, it, the, the company really is the people. And I want to use Currency Cloud as an example and help um, get, get an explanation for you know, what, what our company is doing um, and, then, and then ask you for a little bit of insight there. So Currency Cloud, as a bit of background, is headquartered in the UK. Um, they have since entered the US and the Netherlands with two different entities. In the US, they got set up with Trinet. And my understanding is that Trinet offers some type of solution for companies to get started relatively quickly, You know, similar to JustWorks in the US. So I'll, I want to ask you about those types of platforms. What do they do? That's different from um, obviously they're focused on the U.S., but how does that fit in? Because um, they are sort of providing employment services, and then and then I also want to ask, you know, just generally, we've gone remote first. How can companies start to think about hiring talent across the world? Like, what are some things that companies should keep in mind, other than the compliance and payroll aspect of it, but just from operational standpoint? building a community. Um, so, so, you know, Currency Cloud is, has gone through those two phase shifts, first expanding and using some software providers to, to be that employment, employment service provider. And then, and then secondarily is now that, that the pandemic has hit, we've gone remote first. Um, so what, what should the company be thinking about? Just to, just to clarify on that last question, when, you, when you're saying building a community, do you mean like internally within the company? Yep, absolutely. Got it. Got it. Okay, great. Uh, I mean, to hit on the first question, so Trinet uh, is what's called a a PEO or a professional employment organization. And basically, they take off some of the administrative uh, work of the employer strictly in the United States. But the the thing to highlight here is the difference between that EOR, sorry, that, that PEO service and what Panther is, which is an employer of record, is in the United States with PEOs like Trinet, both entities are listed on the employment agreement uh, because, like you said, um, Currency Cloud set up a U.S. entity, uh, which probably makes sense at the scale that you guys are hiring here today. What Panther does is we are the sole uh, employer listed on the local employment agreements around the world so that you don't need to set up entities in each of these countries. Got it. So, so that's that's the major difference uh, is is that you don't need the infrastructure around the world. We're kind of companies global arm. But secondarily, just to, I guess, point out small differentiations between like U.S. PEOs like Trinet and, and Panther uh, is that we are, you know, on a global scale. We're a single place where you can find all the important information that you need about your global team and, and trust it all in the single kind of organized center. So that would that would be my answer to the to the first question. Should, do you have anything there before we jump to you know being remote first? I, I appreciate just understanding the distinction uh, PEO versus EOR, right? Um, important distinctions there. 
kind of kind of a hybrid model. PEOs help do the administrative work, but requires an entity on the ground. Correct. EOR, um, that's that's the sole service provider. Right. EOR takes. I mean, we take over everything. Yeah. That, that's our thinking. Is we don't want you know. Let's say you've never hired in Estonia before, but you found someone awesome. We don't want you to have to think, okay, what does this actually mean? What are the new complications involved? We just want you to say, hey, you know, we want to work with Jeremy, Panther, make it happen. And we do it in a, in a second, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's on that. In terms of just building a remote first team uh, and, and how do you build a great culture and a great community? The, the answer, I think, is that we just need to be very intentional. When we were all going into the same office, you know, we had a lot of natural serendipity happen, whether in the water cooler, excuse me, or people just bumping in along the hallways. And we do lose that uh, with remote work. And so we need to be more intentional about creating those types of uh, serendipitous, candid, casual moments that um, are very helpful in terms of uh, inspiration. And, and so many other things for the happiness, whatever. And so at, at Panther, we do uh, a number of things. Number one is we use the money that we save from having an office to making sure that the team gets together. Now, obviously, I'm speaking outside of COVID because uh, in my last company, we, we met up right, right before uh, everything hit. But basically, we bring out the entire global team together uh, for a handful of days, at least once a year. And we only focus on bonding. We're not there to you know, to, to get work done. We are there to build our culture as a team. And then outside of that, we basically once a week right now, uh, maybe more soon, but set aside uh, time for teammates to get together and just hang out. So we do everything from playing poker to Pictionary to uh, icebreakers. I genuinely feel like we have an incredibly close team, even though the vast majority of us due to COVID uh, have not met one another in person. If it wasn't for COVID, we would have done a trip already. And hopefully we will soon post-vaccine. But yeah, I mean, that's how we think about that. It means it means be more intentional, uh, plan. I think that the, the idea behind each uh, company at some, like once you have an HR team, I think companies will have a someone in a remote leadership position. Like uh, we've seen a, a head of remote, uh, which we're actually now hiring for at Panther. But this person's objective is to be very intentional to make sure that everybody is set up for success, success uh, that all the operations are, are working and there's great communication and that everybody's happy and, and bonding. So it requires more, more work, quite frankly, but you can recreate the serendipity uh, and the community that you would otherwise have in an office online. The last yeah. thing I'll quickly, quickly say, because this is a, an interesting thought is, you know, we really were just thrown into remote with everything going on with COVID. And the reality is we're, we're learning, right? And it's only going to get better. We're going to learn more methods and the tools that we use are going to be, are going to like continue to develop uh, and solve more of our needs over time. So I'm incredibly bullish uh, about remote work and how the experience that we'll all have uh, will just continue to improve over time. Yeah, I think COVID was obviously a wake-up call for companies that have have employees now sitting at home. And the, the big question they're asking is, well, if we have 30 employees sitting in New York all at home communicating with each other, why can't we have another employee in Canada and and, and you know get them together? So we've seen a big growth in the market not just for companies who are looking to hire globally and, and become truly remote first, but also in the growth of, of companies like Panther and, and some of your competitors. So this being a, a fintech payments podcast, 
Um, I, I want to get into kind of the nitty gritty. Um, you know, first, you know, can, can you give an overview of the market, how Panther is different from your competitors? Um, and then following up on that, I'm, I'm going to ask some, some operational questions about how, how you guys are handling um, the, the payment flow and things like that. Yeah, sure. Basically, this industry, the employer of record industry, has been around since, since like the 1980s. Um, and it came to the U.S. in 2008. It's never been run by technology companies, always, uh, you know, professional services companies with, um, you know, hundreds of people behind the scenes running a bunch of manual processes. It's all, you know, Excel files sent back and forth over email. It's really a troubling experience for the customer and it's inefficient and there's a lot of human room for error. Where Panther's coming in is we're essentially saying, look, let's be a pure software company. Let's automate everything global payroll and compliance so that number one, there's no human room for errors on our side. Your people will always get paid on time. Everything will be done compliantly. and You just won't have to worry about a thing. But secondarily, by being a pure software company and not having to, for example, have lawyers manually do every task, but instead, you know, integrating them and their advice into our product teams, we can essentially push down the price of our service so that uh, it's much more affordable. But more exciting to me is that it becomes a default way to hire globally, rather than just a way to hire when you just want to hire a few people in a country. You know, typically this industry has been so expensive and our competitors are still building their products like this, that it's really only used for when companies want to hire one to five people in a country. And afterwards you end up saying for financial reasons, I'd be crazy not to build our own subsidiary and, you know, transfer everybody there. We're building, we're trying to fundamentally change the use case for the employer of record industry, because we believe that by building it as a software company, creating an incredibly delightful and trustworthy experience and pushing the price down so that we're also the most affordable way to employ, no matter what level of scale your company is at, we envision this world where no company will ever need to build their own subsidiaries again for employment reasons. And we'll just be the, the global arm of, of every company and basically take care of everything. Yeah, it makes a ton of sense, Matt. Um, so, you know, piggybacking on that point, um, one of the critical components of employment is payroll. Payroll involves payments and this being a payments podcast. I'd be curious if you could talk a little bit about what, what companies should expect Working with Panther, working with with some other competitors out there, um, just given the fact that when when a U.S. company decides to hire in Europe, for example, their 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 employee salary is going to be denominated in euros. How do you manage that mm-hmm. um, cross border payment experience? What's what's required of the HR department, of the finance department of that company, um, and, yeah. and how do how does Panther and and some of the other guys help out? Well, I mean, it, it could even be more complex, uh, more complicated than what you describe in that if you're not just hiring in, uh, in Europe, but you have European employees, you have uh, African employees, um, you have employees throughout Asia, you're talking about paying your team in so many different currencies normally, so many different payment platforms would have to be involved. And, you know, we just make that a magical experience. So We have, um, you know, once a month you go into the Panther platform today and and approve the payroll. And, uh, you know, if you you don't have a chance to get in, I will send you a few reminders, but we'll still take care of it and make sure the employees are paid on time. 
basically what happens is there's this nice purple button that makes it seem super simple where you just click approve payroll once you know everything is the way that it should look. And then we will automatically pull out the money from our customer's bank account uh, that they approved in platform in the currency of their choice. So USD for American companies, Euro for European companies, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then we basically move that money all around the world, handle all the currency conversion and make sure that every employee is paid compliantly and in their local currencies the way they're supposed to be paid. Um, so there's a ton of magic behind the scenes there, but we want to make everything just one click for our customers. Yeah, and, and something that Currency Cloud deals with, this is almost a, f- a few years ago now. So before the EOR model really took off, mm-hmm. what we would see is in the old contractor model, companies would pay with PayPal. Uh, and, and that, that you know, think about receiving your payroll on PayPal um, and it lands in your currency five or 6% short because of those FX fees. So, yeah. so it's, it's, it's always good to hear that um, not only are you you taking care of these employees to make sure that they're really considered employees, but part of that um, is receiving a, a legit salary payment um, into their bank account um, at, at pretty good rates. Right. I mean, something to think about here is like normally in the contractor way, another reason why it's second class is because oftentimes you'd have the compensation amount in the contract agreement dictated in the employer's currency. And then basically the uh, the teammate or the contractor in this case, which oftentimes should be an employee, is basically stuck to deal with, you know, however the currency fluxes. So they can be, he or she could be paid way less than what, uh, you know, what they were paid the month before. And so one of the kind of first class things of being an employee of a local entity, which is what basically Panther does on companies' behalfs, is we ensure that, you know, in your employment agreement, it says, this is your compensation amount. And it says it, and this is also to be compliant, but also just a much better experience experience in the local currency so that you know you'll always get paid the same amount every month. You have a, you know, a stable, predictable income. Absolutely. So Matt, one, one thing that you know, I've been hearing about you know, following tech influencers on Twitter and, and kind of the, the conversation going around is that with the end of lockdowns uh, coming with vaccines, companies want their employees back in offices. So we went through this, this wave where last March, Companies said, we'll be remote forever. This is amazing. This is a, an incredible way to work. And in just one year, we kind of have come, maybe not everyone's come around. I think it's still split, but there are some folks that, that see the benefits of being in office. So what, what would you say to that, um, addressing that, that sentiment that uh, we're hearing more and more uh, after a year working from home? Uh, a few things. Number one, I just, you know, it's funny that I still, you know, we still have to clarify this for people, but working strictly from home during a pandemic is not the same as uh, as remote work in general uh, in the post COVID world, which is really just work with freedom. You can work from home if you'd like to. You can work from a coffee shop or the library or at the park. Or you can go into a local office or a co-working space and have other, you know, other professionals around you. I guess the biggest freedom of remote work is is twofold. Number one is that you don't need to be in the same, if you're going to work in an office, you don't need to be in the same office as your teammates, um, which allows a lot of flexibility of, of uh, you know, where you live, because ultimately our uh, work should revolve around our lives and not the other way around. I've kind of tried to coin this phrase, which is life work balance instead of the, you know, the inverse, which we often hear. 
And the, the second real thing that comes from that is you have more flexibility around time, whether that's, you know, you want a, a few days a week or, or, or any all days of the week, it depends, you know, it's totally up to personal preference, uh, not go into the office and save that commute time to spend it with your family or, or pursue hobbies. Um, or, you know, if you have the freedom to work from wherever you want, you don't need to be at the office at the same time as everybody else. You can choose like you could say, hey, you know, I get my best work done in the evening. So I'm going to sleep in the morning. I don't know. You know, it's just remote is about flexibility. And so I think you have all the, you know, the normal great things that, that one could have from going into the office, but just way more optionality and, and delight there. And I think that's why we're seeing both founders of, of companies and employees saying uh, overall, the trend is that they're very excited about, about this new way of, uh, of life work balance. Yeah, it's really exciting. And it's something personally that I've, I've grown to appreciate. Uh, just the flexibility day to day to to make your own schedule, you know, doing the same amount right. of work, same number of hours, but just when when you like, rather than the office, the, the office is open from nine to five, you know, go sit there from, from then until then. Um, so that's that, exactly. that's a really interesting point. I am that evening person just to throw that out there. <laughs> I do my best work uh, at night. So I, you know, I'm able to contribute more to the company because I have the freedom to do that. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, some people are morning people, some people are, are evening people and uh, just yeah. the, rem, the remote work flexibility allows for all of that. Um, as we look to wrap up the conversation, Matt, uh, just want to ask about your, your plans at Panther. Um, you guys are growing rapidly, raising money. You guys are in, at an exciting stage right now. Can you give us some insight whether you want to talk about um, the company's growth plans or, or product roadmap, or, or just give us some insight into what Panther's um, going to bring to market over the next few months. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, super exciting stuff. I can't share too much, but you know, this is an incredible time to be working in this space and to, to help companies who are, who are all kind of realizing the revolution that's to come. Um, and so we have been the recipient of a lot of incredible growth. Uh, and we're so thankful for, for our customers uh, for, for trusting us and partnering with us. I think in the near future, you'll start to see Panther create a lot more products that just make every aspect of global employment simple. So whether that's making um, global background checks, one click as part of our system, um, or um, just doing more to automate the onboarding process so that there's less uh, busy work involved. Uh, I think Panther is going to be the company that does a million little things that are that just kind of all compound into a modern, delightful experience. And so we're just incredibly excited to, to keep on working because there's there's so much to build. Yeah, it's, it's exciting. Um, I'm sure there's a ton of growth ahead as we enter this um, you know, more remote friendly world. Um, it's still only been uh, about a year when, when most companies started thinking about a remote strategy. So you guys are, are well positioned. Uh, Matt, how can folks get in touch with Panther or yourself if they want to, to reach out about your services or, or just questions about remote work in general? Yeah, absolutely. Our website and our, our Twitter handle are both with W-I-T-H Panther. Uh, so with Panther.com and at with Panther. We're happy to you know answer any questions, be helpful in any potential way. Uh, my personal email is Matt, M-A-T-T, at withpanther.com. And if you're, you know, if you're building a global team or are just interested in, in learning more about what we do uh, and how we can help, please reach out. We're always here. It's been great having you on, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Brady. 
Currency Cloud is an online payments company that makes international money transfers fast and simple for businesses. We're building a borderless future where international transactions are seamless for a better user experience. Discover the world's most trusted payment platform and our toolkit of developer-friendly APIs at currencycloud.com. You've been listening to the Payments Innovation Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe now on iTunes or your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening. Until next time.